right. Hey, good morning. Welcome again. My name is Jim. I'm one of the, the pastors here. And um, apparently, the guys made this box here for John to stand on, right? He's a little bit shorter than I am. Yes, his little soapbox. And so I am going to use this and, uh, and go for it. I, I'm a little concerned, though. I think I might fall off. So if I roll my ankle and fall off, you guys will never forget this service, okay? Won't remember anything I said, but you'll remember that. So, so how was everybody's holiday time? Christmas time, okay? Yep, sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes if you've got like kind of jacked up family dynamics, it can be, you know, pretty challenging is the word. Um, but I, I usually feel like there's things that we get challenged in and we can learn during that time, and especially we, we have some conversations that might be difficult but are really good in the long run. So hopefully you guys had uh, a good Christmas. For us, we have the whole family. We've got five kids, so we have them all back. Um, we have one that's in college, and so it's good to have him back. And I just wanted to um, embarrass him, him for a minute here. So last year, um, he plays college football. They won a national championship last year, which was really cool. So here's a picture of that last year. They won that. Very cool. And then he decided to transfer to a different team in Texas after winning the national championship last year. So this is this year. Um, they won and beat his former team. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So he's won back-to-back -back national championships, which is really cool. We're really proud of him, um, not because of that, not because they've won that, but because he's persevered through a lot of crap um, throughout his career. In fact, right now he's in the back, and um, he's got two nice screws in his foot. Yeah, right on, because he got injured. And so... Anyway, so Luke, good to have you, bud. All right. So no more embarrassment from Dad. So last Sunday we talked about the hope that we have in Jesus and this recurring theme in Scripture of Jesus being described as the light. And so if you, if you want to um, follow along, with this morning's teaching, um, we have an app. You can just download that for free, the H2O Church Orlando app, and you can follow right along on there. Just hit notes, and then all the notes for this will come up. So, um, so we talked about that last week, this recurring theme of Jesus being light and how that provides direction and guidance and light and safety in some really dark places. And then we talked about how God can actually illuminate His Word as that resides in us. And so this morning, we want to look at that a little more in depth. How does God illuminate His Word? How does He show us truth? And how can that really change this upcoming year, this 2019. Does that sound crazy just to say that? The years are going way too fast, way too fast. So that means I'm getting old, I guess. So um, 
older. Thank you. That's a seasoned. I love it. Right. All of us over 50 are all like, we've got all these words that we're now using that make it sound so much better. Um, so one of my early experiences of God just using his word and illuminating it for me was really just a few weeks after I had become a Christian. And so um, I was telling some of my friends about Jesus, and frankly, at that point in my life, I mean, I could not remember a short answer for a quiz, let alone, um, you know, some complex or some spiritual things uh, communicating that. However, I noticed that after becoming a Christian, that as I was talking to my friends about Jesus, I found myself making sense, okay? Like, almost like an out-of-body experience, you know, looking and hearing, and I was able to remember Scripture really clearly. Um, for some reason, I was able to communicate it clearly where it made sense, and I was sharing it with my friends, and they even said that, like, yeah, this, this is really helping me. And I felt like something is going on here. Like, there is a spiritual something that is happening. And so I remember running across this verse, and as during that time, I was first starting to read Scripture, and in John 14, 26, it says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And I was feeling that and experiencing that where I felt like God was reminding me of things that I had been hearing maybe on a Sunday morning or in a Bible study that I was going to, and I was able to recall it really clearly and communicate that. So I felt like I was experiencing this and feeling as if God was carrying me and even speaking through me. And that was a new thing. Another verse that really hit me was in Matthew 10. It says, but when they arrest you... I was not getting arrested at the time, I promise. Don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. At that time, you will be given what to say. And this was referring to the disciples who were going to be standing up, and, and they were being persecuted for their faith, and they were going to stand in front of authorities and leaders. And there was a concern, like, what do we say when we're in front of these people in this here was saying that at that time, the Father will be speaking through you, and he'll give you what to say. Don't worry about that. And so I felt that, too, in my classes and talking with people that normally I would be intimidated by. I felt as if I could communicate really clearly um, in a way that was wise and not overbearing, and all of this was just kind of coming out of nowhere. It was in like a month period of time. And so that was the beginning of me experiencing this, the Holy Spirit illuminating God's truth. Now, this is another 
major doctrine that separates Christianity from anything else out there on the market. In Christianity, God himself comes to reside in our hearts. That doesn't happen in other faiths. That's not taught. That's not experienced. Then he speaks to us through his word, and then his spirit that resides in us reminds us of that truth and then helps us to understand it. That's, there's nothing else out there like this faith. And then we have the opportunity to communicate that to others in a way that they can understand. So this isn't like a 2019 resolution sermon, um, but I think all of us would love to grow in how to discern and know like what steps we need to take in our lives. And ultimately, this question, like knowing his will as this new year arrives, okay? I think all of us would love to have a year where we could say our hopes and our longings were realized and that we felt like we knew what necessary steps we should take in our life. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Basically, how can we grow in discernment in regard to following God and His will? Now, that was a common theme of discussion when I first became a Christian. I remember hearing lots of people discuss and use that phrase, what is God's will for my life? I ran across a lot of people that struggled with that question. First, how do we know what God's will is? And then, what is God's will for me? And I don't think that's changed a lot. I still hear that question asked often, and it's a legitimate question, and I think it's the right question for us to ask ourselves. So in Romans 12, verse 2, a lot of you are familiar with this verse, says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will know and test and approve what God's will is. So according to God's word, that is a legit question that we can address and it's telling us that we can know what his desires are for us. We can know his will clearly. Okay. Um, there's a few instances where within Scripture, I remember seeing God's will kind of encompassed or discussed and referred to by a couple people. First one was Jesus, who said this, where he was talking about like kind of his purpose and his mission and, and God's will kind of wrapped up in one sentence. He said in John 17, 4, I gave you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. 
So there was something about this mission that the Father had given him that he is to look back and say, I am finishing this work that the Father gave me to do. Or Paul in Colossians 1, 29, he says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So here's two examples. We have Paul and Jesus. And when we look at these sentences and these these things that they've said here, um, there's a context, and it's interesting how they're framed, that their following of God's will really had much more to do with God and less to do with their own personal agenda. So with Jesus, it was about the Father following His will, and with Paul, it's about following Jesus. Now here's this, a distinction that I think trips us up a little bit when it comes to this question of God's will, is I think normally when we ask, what is God's will for my life? What we really mean is, what career should I pursue? It's that kind of a question, like what career should I pursue? Uh, where should I move? Or who should I marry? And then we start reading scripture looking for those kinds of answers, and they're not in there. And that becomes really frustrating for us. So I think what happens there is our hearts are in the right place, but we miss, we kind of miss the point. Because according to what Paul and Jesus are saying, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about their agenda and then God putting a stamp of approval on their plans. It was about finding out what God's heart is and then making his desires theirs. And that is not easy for us. Like, let's be honest, we have our own lives and we kind of have our own love affairs with stuff, whatever that is. Um, and that's us as humans. Even Jesus, after his three years of ministry and the prophecies and all the, the miracles, incredible things that he had done, and then just prior to him finishing the work that he talked about, even the night before, on his way to the cross, there's this struggle. Like, is, is God, if there's any other way that we can accomplish this, could we do that? Not my will, as he prays there in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. So we see that struggle right there, even with Jesus. So we're going to have it too. There's this battle of wills. And so one thing I'd want to make sure as you walk out that you don't hear is that this is really easy, gang. Come on, duh. It's just not. It isn't. There is this deep struggle that I experience where it's like I have my agenda and I have God's agenda. 
And then I'm challenged with, am I going to submit to God's agenda? And this is what separates the men from the boys. How we answer this question. There's this deep wrestling of the heart. And if we look at the disciples and their lives, it involved like deep personal sacrifice and pain for them in following Jesus. It involved scrapping their personal agenda and changing and conforming their plans to God's plans. And that's tough. Like, are we willing to do that? That willingness is something we really need to seek and ask God for. That we'd be willing to say, like the disciples, I've grown up a fisherman. You've told me to drop my nets, and I'm now going to fish for men. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but you call the shots. We want to get to that point where we're those kind of believers and followers of Jesus. It also involved with the disciples daily listening to the Spirit's direction, and that would inform their steps and their speech. They were ready at any time to allow God to change their agenda for the day. And so I love this section in Acts chapter 9. And God is speaking to a man named Ananias here. And he says, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. I mean, he even gives him the location. Here's the street. If you're in Israel, you can find that now. Okay, that street. So it's like going to Livingston Street. Okay, go over there and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. He's kind of saying, are you sure? Are you sure about this guy? Because he goes on to say, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Saul is not a good dude. He has a very poor reputation. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. And so maybe Ananias is thinking, this is not a good situation for me. Okay, this could be dangerous for me, and you're telling me to go speak to him. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placed his hands on Saul, probably shaking, thinking, oh my gosh, this is the one, this is the man that we fear. He said, brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What an incredible interaction right there. And Ananias may have had plans for the day. You know, he might have said, hey, I, I have a lot going on. 
today, and maybe we can make, you know, this can wait. Um, he's dangerous. Come on, God. Um, he is willing to put his agenda aside. God owns the day. And so Ananias follows the direction of the Spirit, and this is the life that God has called us to, where we can daily listen to God's direction, and then we have that choice. Can I now put my agenda on the back burner and make God's agenda mine? That's what he's really after. And so when we look at this interaction, there's a ton going on here. But one of the things that struck me is that the object of God's will here, sure, it was to transform this man Saul. But ultimately, look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is him saying, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He is going to be a light. Here, let me go back to this. He says, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So the object, kind of the end goal here is people. People. Paul was going to be used for others to come to know Jesus. That was the end goal. With God in his will, it always involves people. Jesus saving the world from sin. And so this simple interaction illustrates God's will, and how we get invited in to take part and contribute, to be Ananias. We get to be a part of this. So that question, what is God's will? The answer and the theme of almost every single separate book of Scripture is the same, the that God's will is saving and restoring people. Saving and restoring people. Restoring humanity's broken relationship with Him. And we see that throughout each book in the Bible. So, really, and I'm not stretching this here at all, think about that. You, you sitting right there, all of us this morning, we are the object and desire of His will. That we would be restored and redeemed. That is His will. So, for us to follow God's will, it will be about us joining him in helping to save and restore people. So we can ask ourselves that question, is that what my life is about right now? 
Is my life about success or fun or pleasure or my job? Or is it about restoring and saving people along with Jesus? It's an important question for us to ask. God is after that. I think of my own life, I think, does my, am I more about my will or conforming to his will? I think that oftentimes part of the way we miss the point here is that like the thought of doing God's will is important to us, but when it really comes down to it, we're really a little more interested in living our own lives and just hoping we get a thumbs up from him. Kind of a stamp of approval like, hey, that's good. Go ahead and do that. And I don't think that's what God is after. He's after something much deeper and much more intimate where we are giving him our agenda. They're hard questions to ask, but these are the questions of the heart that are really important. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So we know that this is, that's why it's not, it's not an easy thing to say, hey, it's easy, let's just do that. We know that there's a battle here, and we know we're going to be faced with this throughout this next year. So, what does joining God in saving others look like? Well, I think an important question to ask is, what is God presently doing around you? And that's in this church community, in your friends' lives, in your family's lives, in your friends that don't know Christ. What is God doing in their lives, and how can you engage with them and join with what God is doing in their lives. Then we see, oh, this is how I can contribute here. And this is not a plug for our church service or anything, or for, I'm sorry, for our church community, but God is doing things in your lives. God is about mission, and restoring and redeeming lives right now. How can we contribute and join in on that together and join in on that mission? I do think that this upcoming year, if like we can really start to submit our agenda to His and join in that mission. I think if we do that, this will be a year that we'll never forget. It will be different. So I just want to finish with some four really quick practicals when it comes to this, like how do we dis discern our next steps that we are considering? Because all of us are kind of in that spot. Where do we go next? And so these are just some important questions to remember. One, does what I'm considering or praying about, does that contribute to God's mission of saving humanity? 
Does it contribute to God's mission of saving humanity? Second, does God's word address it? Does God's word address it? Because this, this is an important truth. God's will does not contradict his word. It doesn't. God's word will support that if you're within his will. Third question, what does the godly community around you, like what do they say about what you're considering? Have you asked for counsel? It's really easy for us at times to just be independent and make decisions on our own. And the truth is, is God has put to us together for a reason. We worship together, we encourage one another, we pray for one another, we listen to one another, and we give counsel and wisdom to one another. When we're considering things, let's not just make decisions in a vacuum. Like, let's share that with others before we make a decision and say, this is what I'm considering. This is what I feel, where I feel God's leading. What do you think? Can you pray about this with me? I think that that is a recipe for success when we do that together. I feel like the things that you guys can see can help my life and vice versa. When we're in that kind of relationship, that's part of what we talk about. Like, if we're really going to do life together, then we get in on those things together. And unfortunately, a lot of times church is not that. You come, you experience an hour together, and then we just kind of live our lives on our own. And that's not at all what Jesus was after in Scripture. Not at all. It was them being on mission together, but man, they were open about their lives, and they considered, here's what we're thinking of doing next month. We're thinking of planting a church here. What do you think? Let's make decisions together and include each other. It's a great verse. In an, in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. It's wisdom in seeking each other's input on important decisions. And then last, have we prayed through it adequately? To take time to pray through those really important decisions. I think if we can follow just those four principles, it'll really help us. It'll help us to feel and see God's will and know that we're in it. We're right in the middle of what God is doing. And then if we can look at those four principles and there's green lights in each area, what does green mean? Go! Right on! <laughs> we were talking about that the other day. We were like, why does green mean go? I don't know. In our culture, whatever. But if you have all green lights there, go for it. Go for it. Let's be a community that after we make these, like, these wise decisions of including others and praying, that we go for it. Let's pray. God, we're thankful that your word speaks to us, that it gives us wisdom that's beyond our years, that 
your truth is clear, that you make it clear. We thank you that your will was about people. And your will was about us. You desired us to be restored to you. And we thank you for that, that your desire was for our hearts to come to know you. God, thank you that your spirit resides in us, that you can lead us to truth, and then you can remind us of truth. Thank you that we're in community and that we can remind each other of truth, that we can sharpen one another, we can help kind of refine the rough edges on one another, and that, God, ultimately you are growing us up into a community of more mature believers as we follow you. Thank you for this morning, the opportunity to worship, to learn more about you, to experience you, and to be reminded of truth that we sing about together. We thank you for that, too, as we worship and get immersed more in your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.